0: Loneliness, like joy and wonder, are all part of the human condition. But we need to constantly care for our need to connect to others.
1: Hey everybody, thank you so much for joining us on a new episode of Fuck Fear. Ah, we are into the new year, and I'm kind of glad that we were into a new year. 2021 was uh crazy 2020 was just as crazy but you know what we're going to keep moving through and and try to make the best of it and and try to remain as positive as you possibly can today's topic i am very excited to talk about this because i think it's something that a lot of people face at the beginning of the year and throughout the year as well and it's something that's been heavy on my heart we're talking about fear of loneliness and fear of being alone which i think are two different things and we're going to get into that today my guest today, I'm so excited to welcome to the podcast is Sherry Foos. She is a licensed marriage and family therapist, and she's the creator of something called the Narrative Method, which is also her company, which we're going to talk about today as well. She holds a Master of Arts in Clinical Psychology from Antioch University in L.A., and a Master of Science in Narrative Medicine from Columbia University. In 2009, she founded the Bridge Program at Antioch University in L.A., and she's also an adjunct professor. There she is a sought after expert on the subjects of relationships and a meaningful connection, which another reason I'm excited to talk to her today. She uh, has been writing and she has given commentary and has appeared in a range of online and print publications, including real simple Huffington Post women's health and a whole lot more. Welcome Sherry. I am so excited to see you and so excited to welcome you and have you as a guest today.
0: Well, you know, I am excited to be here.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Well, I start off every episode with asking my guests one question, which is what is your greatest fear?
0: Mm. (laughs) My greatest fear is being ignored. Oh, my greatest fear is being invisible and excluded. Hmm. I would say that that is something that I, never take well to, it really freaks me out.
1: Yeah. So can you talk about that in terms of like how it affects you in personal life and in business?
0: Yeah, and I, first of all, I love that you asked me that in this moment because it made me think of something I have never put together before. Yeah. You know, we tell our stories so many times. We tell them in our heads and we say them out loud. And when we meet new people, we sort of feel compelled. that You you need to know this story and this in order to really understand me. Well, one of the things um, that I realized was a result of my childhood. I I came from a messed up family and I was an abused kid and put down all the time and blah, blah, blah. But um, maybe even worse than being put down was to have your excitement put down. and, you know, when you're a child or an adult and you just are filled with wonder about something new or about a possibility or a fresh way of seeing something, that is almost like your life's force. And depending on who quells it and how, it can have a really big, big impact. So in my house, not only was, you know, I... Uh, talked about like I was a pain in the ass because I asked too many questions. Mm -hmm. Um, But you start to understand people's responses to your ideas when they're not in the box. Mm -hmm. I think for many years as I was developing, I had that a lot. And I um, felt that frustration and that insult to what, I believed was, you know, a great idea or what a cool thing or something funny or whatever that might be. Yeah. So there's your, there's your answer. And I thank you for thinking of that. Wow. Sure.
1: Well, and again, we talked a little bit before we started recording about just connection. And I think sharing what is one of our vulnerabilities and our truth helps us to better connect. So I appreciate you being honest and sharing that because I think, that's a great that's a great fear and not great in a sense that's it's good but great in a sense that it's grand and I think a lot of people uh, have that fear I think I have that fear too of just not being seen and or heard so I appreciate that yes
0: I think what it leads to or what it led to with me for so long is that on one hand there is um, kind of like this automatic instinct that goes into gear to towards this thing, whatever that might be to make it happen. Yeah, but there are also unfortunately learned automatic impulses that say, who do you think you are? Yeah. Or, you can't. or these things that result in either not really trying at all or not trying as well as you could otherwise. So yeah.
1: And I think that causes us to shrink ourselves too, in some way. Do you think?
0: Oh my God. Yes. Yeah. Talk about shrinking yourself. I mean, then, then the other end of it is particularly as women. Yes. How successful are you allowed to be and Mm. still share it with your friends Mm -hmm. or now you're bragging or harming them or, I mean, it's all so distorted. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And
0: about fear, may I say.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Well, talk a little bit about, before we get into the topic of fear of loneliness and and being alone, talk a little bit about the narrative method, because one thing I do want to talk to you about, and I know we'll get into this, is something um, that you practice called relational mindfulness. But I want to talk about the narrative method and, and what that is and how you define it.
0: The narrative method is a group experience that has been developed into programs and products that people can do on their own. For example, we have card decks that um, have within each of the 12 core concepts, cards that pertain to those ideas. So you'll you'll um, have a statement about this idea, and then a prompt. But these prompts are kind of evergreen, because they're open-ended enough to really make you think of lots of different things. Mm -hmm. So those prompts evoke a story. You can put together your own group, Um, you can do it one-on-one, or you can use it as a writing prompt. We also offer free Zooms to the public every week. Um, where people can come, uh, some of them are conversations that we have inspired by videos or art or other cool things. And others are writing groups. Mm -hmm. We work with companies to help them bring together um, the colleagues that otherwise don't really know each other as well as they probably should to at least have a better working relationship. But also, by the way, how about better, uh, I don't know, working culture? Yeah. How about we're all humans here, you know, spending lots of time together. And I work with universities and, and incoming students and, and just really helping people come together with people they already know, or utter strangers to experience their humanity by sharing stories.
1: I love that. I love it. Well, let's talk about fear of loneliness and being alone. I mentioned at the beginning that I feel like those are two different things. And if you feel the same way, I would love for you to define either, because I feel like fear of being alone has a lot to do with relationships and afraid that you're not going to ever have a companion or be in a relationship or have companionship. And then loneliness, just being afraid of, of, um, just the feeling of being alone and and being depressed in a way. So, can you define each of those?
0: Well, I mean, I think you just did, and I think you, you made a really good point. That you know, when we think about the fear of being alone, it, it might just be I'm in old age and I'm frail and I'm alone. But I, I think you're right that there's sort of an overlay that we get, which is, um, especially if you're a woman, like, oh, you know, if you're alone, you're rejected. You're, you're, you're not included in social opportunities, which is not completely false. Uh, we have a very couple, couples-based culture. But there, there's another part of all of this, regardless of which kind of loneliness we're focusing on, which is that loneliness is not just something that can happen or go away. Loneliness is also part of the human condition Mm. because there is inherent loneliness. Some of what I was talking about earlier, just that there are always times even sitting with people who love you the most, where you're trying to express something, they don't get it. Or there's something that you are moving towards in your life and they don't respect it. Mm. Um, So it's not just about some giant either or overarching thing. I think, you know, The fear of being alone, in part, in a culture that really has no tribal values or true us values. You know, we say we're united, uh, one nation, and all that stuff, and it sure sounds good, but uh, lately that hasn't been looking like we're we're moving, you know, enough in that direction. So, I think what we need to say is loneliness, like joy and wonder are all part of the human condition, but we need to constantly care for our need to connect to others. Mm -hmm. And the fact is we have all been dealt with certain biological pieces. For example, we have antenna or feelers or these hooks, almost like your, your phone does, where if it's not charged, it's not going to work. Mm-hmm. There's not a happy hermit colony somewhere. <laughs> Nobody thrives on their own because of all of the factors that togetherness provides. Uh, sharing tasks, to sharing stories, to physically taking care of each other, to having fun, all of these things. We are social creatures. Right. And when we don't have a significantly satisfying social Life, however, that looks because we know now that you know things can roll out uniquely for people and still be satisfying, but when we don't have those needs fulfilled, we will continue to long for them mm-hmm. until we become apathetic, and then that is just so deep into depression about it, you don't even know what you want.
1: Yeah, that sounds dangerous. Something yeah. you meant, something you said, I want to talk about. You said. It, we, it looks like we're losing our tribal values. Talk mm-hmm. a little bit about that. I mean, I, you know, anthropologists know how the human race came about and how important tribes were and how important tribes are. I mean, obviously they've evolved, but when you, when you say we're losing our tribal values, what do you mean?
0: I mean, just a, a tribal mentality uh, where the culture is about us, not me. Mm-hmm. And you can see how that can go awry in, in this day and age anyway, because, you know, what Native Americans' values and mores and lifestyles were like before the Europeans got here uh, was, it was just such a completely different set of circumstances that I am no expert about. But what I do think we have lost from not being able to learn from them in other tribal cultures around the world is that sense of oneness and without the or ubuntu or you know with without that value on um, something bigger than myself? Not just because it inspires me to feel good about myself, but because we're like a bunch of ants here, and no one human um, is capable of doing enough in their own life to have it take care of the planet. So everybody's got to be engaged, and I think that that the way we live in this culture, it's about me winning, me making the most money. Uh, look at what I have. Um, I have a named bag item. Like really? Like I'm going to be your advertising, but whatever. Um, and we mustn't blame ourselves for having those thoughts and feelings because those were very professionally and deliberately put into us. Yeah. What we need to do is separate ourselves from these things, from these ideas that are not really our own. They were put into us by maybe our family, certainly what I call the cult of culture. Yeah. And so at the end of the day, whether you think of it as tribal or community or group or, Holistic. People do better when they have a community of caring people who support um, shared values and goals.
1: Yeah, I would love to talk about loneliness in relationships, Um, because I don't know, I feel like so many people experience this. And although they are connected to someone and a partner, they still feel lonely in the relationship and they feel very alone in the relationship. Mm -hmm. So in your, in your, in your education and your practice and your experience in dealing with clients, can you talk through how often that comes up as a topic of conversation when you're doing counseling, marriage and family counseling? Uh,
0: Every second. Here's what (laughs) I would say the secret to a good marriage is your friends nobody can be in everything and i guarantee and i don't know why people you know don't make somebody sign something before they get married you are guaranteed to be disappointed by something or something
1: oh Ooh, say that again cuz you know you you get married you have the the wedding is so fantastic and fantastical everything. and there's this fantasy and then the next day there's the marriage and you not know, you are propped up to believe that it's going to be fantastic all the time. So I love that you said that, that you have to prepare yourself for disappointment. And that is something that a lot of people don't even do or think about or think that it's necessary to do
0: or think that it's coming to us or it's part of the package. Yeah. So if I'm not turned on by this, this and this, and I don't like dirty socks, then, you know, <laughs> I'm leaving. Um, but here here's the math of it really if you look at yourself as much as you um know how long of a walk you've walked in your life and how much you've developed we all know that we still have a long way to go and we're probably not going to be able to fix every nook and cranny we are such complex creatures Mm -hmm. it's nearly impossible to be as good as we would like to be well given that how the hell is somebody else going to be able to be that good that they can constantly be able to um, anticipate your needs provide for your needs stop everything and have the conversation that should have been done now i mean we make mistakes we are limited in our capacities so I think really the way we have to assess the value of a potential partner or a partner or you know can we get beyond whatever these issues are yeah is you just boil it down to what are the most important things Of course it can if you don't have mutual respect then you can't go any further Right It's doomed from the so, beginning if that doesn't exist it's doomed from the beginning and mutual yeah. respect, you know, maybe something that people decide to write their own thing about, but we all have to decide what our deal breakers are. Yeah. Um, and and not just in terms of, you know, I won't tolerate this, but what do I feel I have to get from a loved one or a, a partner or a spouse minimum? What am I looking for? Now, it, it's actually a good exercise because it also forces us to realize what we need to survive. So a lot of people, you know, would think, well, I need my limbs. I need my head. I need my, this, my, that, but if you lose your limb, you discover I'm still a whole person. Right. In the same way, especially over time, circumstances change, life happens. Your partner may gain certain things that you never even dreamed of that are wonderful may lose, may change interests, switch, you know, switch gears, whatever those things may be. It doesn't mean that you have to be okay with all of the changes, but it does mean that we have to constantly come back to ourselves just the way we would with the question of general loneliness. Why am I feeling lonely? You know, what is it in the relationship that's making me feel lonely? Is it that I can't even say that to my partner without them, you know, being offended and stopping the exploration of the conversation. Yeah. And if that's the case, can I talk to this kind of stuff about this kind of stuff with my girlfriend and can we get to some meaningful place? Maybe that's okay because I get this and this and this and this from that person. And we have a love. It's just not in everything. Mm -hmm.
1: Yeah. You know, I often wonder just how people get to the point of, because I mean, obviously it's not sudden, it's a gradual thing where you start to feel more lonely. And I wonder how you, have, how, how you have observed how fear has played a part in leading up to that person feeling lonely or people feeling lonely in a situation.
0: That is brilliant. I love, I love your questions.
1: Oh, thank you.
0: I think maybe what fear does is it gets in the way of thinking with an open mind. So fear tells you, I already, I already know him. He can't do this. He never does that. He won't do that. So that if in his opinion, he's moved the needle because on Thursday, Friday, and, and Monday, I just did something different, but you didn't notice. So it's the same way with ourselves in our own development. In order to see someone, We have to put ourselves aside first because we have all of those knee-jerk reactions that we were also built to have. Thank God we have them. So we know to run back and we're about to get hit by a car or whatever we need our instincts for. So it's not that the instinct is bad. It's just that we have to be aware of when it is interfering. It's like, oh, thank you, instinct. I'm good. I've got this. I want to be open here. So how do we really put ourselves aside? The first thing is, if you're going to have an important conversation with someone, someone that you care deeply about, so you're more or less both willing to to be vulnerable, it's really important to make sure before you start, is this a good time? Mm. Because if it isn't a good time, even though you may feel up to here and I can't hold it in anymore, you really don't want half their attention. So make sure it's a good time. And that's just a wonderful... Simple but profound sign of respect. I don't right. want you to burn yourself out if it, if you can't be present right now. Yeah. So if it is a good time, do whatever you can do to create a safe space. Be somewhere where you where it's private and you're generally comfortable together, and um, take turns sharing your thoughts and one at a time, so that I can tell you how I feel and give you a chance to say it back to me so that we're both sure that we're on the same page. Mm -hmm. And then when I know that you get it, I can tell you more, we could keep going or take a break. And then let me hear what what your thoughts are. And it's very uh, deliberate. So it's not like some kind of free flow you say, you know, whatever's coming to mind, I say whatever's coming to mind. That's playing and that's fantastic. But we're yeah. not going to get to bottom line deep, difficult feelings unless we feel that when I'm going there and I am just opening up every vulnerability to tell you how, how little I feel and how stupid and insignificant and, you know, blah, 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 blah. Yeah. I really don't want to tell you that stuff while you're, uh, right. Right. Call me picky, you know,
1: uh, <laughs> whatever. Oh my gosh. Tell me about it. I, you know, technology has become a great interrupter, but also a great benefit, but also a great interrupter and a divider of connection relationship and communication. Oh my God. I can't tell you how many people have told me that they have been broken up with through a text. I'm like, what's happening? (laughs) What is happening? Or people are not talking to each other anymore. Like talking, actually engaging in conversation with each other minus a device. Yeah.
0: It's really uh, unfortunate. Um, Yeah. I have to say when I went completely online uh, because of the pandemic and we started doing these we used to do these live salons and you know so much of the work is based on eye contact and really reading people's body language and facial expressions. eye contact is is actually okay um, online and body language above your shoulders works. Um, but despite what we lose, there's something else that we get, and there's a, a level of intensity and close up where, you know, in in many cases, you're seeing people closer up and sort of allowed to stare at them and mm-hmm. study them in ways that you might not. That might be a little socially um, uh, invasive, I guess, um, So I think it's, it's not technology's fault. It's just that technology doesn't have a brain. It just does what it's told. Yeah. I think we have to reel it in and say, you know, it's good. It's good for this. Um, It's not good for that. It's really ill-advised for serious uh, conversation, whether it's business or personal. You know, look at the impact of a capital letter or an exclamation point or a font. or today I had to go for, um, just a routine medical test. And I always cringe when medical personnel say things like, um, like the, uh, the dentist will say open wide for me. And I'm like, what did you ever do for me? (laughs) Aren't aren't you supposed to take care of me? I'm going to open wide for you. I am so shocked by that all the time. So this time it was, um, okay. So put on, you know, the, the robe and open it to the front for me. I'm sorry. We just met. I have no desire to ever do anything for you.
1: I don't know you like that,
0: (laughs) but it's a really, you know, I, I mean, and I think narrative medicine has made my ear more acutely attuned to stuff like that, but Regardless, the point is still this, that every communication, every look, every way that we breathe or harumph or roll our eyes or take a beat, all of those things are part of the communication. The words comprise 7%. And I I don't really know how somebody came up with that number. I I, I don't usually say it, but it's really mostly the the body language and environment that shape our words.
1: Yeah, right. Tell me, um, what are some of the other things that your clients tell you about their experiences with loneliness and being alone?
0: Well, it's funny. Uh, I'm thinking of this. This uh, there there's there are some very successful sort of type A men who very powerful and either because just because they're so powerful, it's a turn on to women or because they're powerful and they just became quite expert at getting women. And so I think what often happens is after their zillionth relationship, and I'm being very nice to use the R word, but (laughs) they're insatiable Mm. because they always know that there's someone else. Mm. And that kind of loneliness is so gigantic because most of us don't have access to the whole world, right? But imagine that you're a very powerful person and you you actually could have your office call all kinds of people. And suddenly have at your beck and call as peers, let's say, not, not necessarily using people per se, but yeah. you really had access to many, many people in many arenas to the point where um, it, you, you stopped being present with people huh. and instead sort of collected them. And because it's for your own ego, You don't know what it is to share, huh? And so you've never really had intimacy, even though you've had the excitement that you would that you had hoped would lead to real relationships, and that feeling of being known. Interesting. So how do you define that kind of loneliness? Because like on
1: the surface, you you would think somebody who has that kind of lifestyle is not lonely, but the way that you have described it, I could see the level of loneliness because you're just going from one person to the other. So how do you define that kind of loneliness? And do you think a person who exercises that kind of lifestyle realizes that they are in fact lonely and they are trying to fill a void?
0: That's a great question. I think sometimes they do and sometimes they don't. But the easier the access to fill that void, the easier it is to deny your experience. And again, Mm -hmm. nobody is a jerk or disrespectful or rude for no good reason. Right. Something has to happen to you Mm. to have that mentality. Um, And we all know a narcissist and a dick for that matter. (laughs) And that's the next show. We all know
1: a dick. We all know a dick. <laughs> we'll be right back after this.
0: From, from, from KY Jelly. Sorry. <laughs> exactly. Oh my gosh. <laughs> well, you know, I think um, I think what it must feel like to on one hand wield a lot of power and be able to have the food and you know, the plane, the you know, this satisfied and that toy. And to still feel like nobody knows me, nobody yeah. gets me, nobody loves me. Or who can I be really real with without people being envious of me? Imagine that. Wow. So, you know, people will often say when they think about celebrities, like they knew what they were getting into. Mm-hmm. No, they didn't. Mm-hmm. How could you know? I mean, what would it feel like to try to go to the supermarket and you're having one experience today? Maybe you're sad about something and people are relating to based on their takeaway from something else that was a long time ago that doesn't mean anything to you. Now they're touching you and asking you to answer personal questions or sign something or right. Nobody gets out of here. Without experiencing loneliness. Yeah. And whether you have the gift of a lifelong relationship that, for the most part, is fulfilling, or you go through serious serial monogamy or anything in between, it's important to remember that um, <laughs> only because I'm talking to you, am I going to tell you this one? The <laughs> X is always greener. The ass is always greener. In other words, (laughs) it's not really. If you think your loneliness trumps someone else's loneliness, Mm. don't be fooled. That's not the way to soothe your loneliness. Yeah, It's a way to allow all of us to realize, hang on, these feelings, which are so excruciating, loneliness is excruciating. But if you pull back and look at the bigger picture and understand it's part of the human condition, Every single other person has loneliness, whether or not they're experiencing it in this moment, they experience it a lot in different ways. So at least you're not alone with that. Yeah. Other people, any person who was being honest could empathize with that. Yeah. You know what it is? I was, I was forgotten. I was left. I was laughed at. I was mocked. I was beat up, whatever
1: yeah we're gonna take a quick break you guys will be right back when we come back we're gonna talk about how the pandemic has exacerbated loneliness and the loneliness of dating in your 40s which i can connect with that in many ways so stay with us we'll be right back single socks are so annoying aren't they especially when you're sure you put two socks together in the wash only to find one of them has pieced out somewhere in between the washing and drying cycle But your problems are now solved with Soulmate Socks. They are magnetic socks that stay together in the laundry so you're never left with lost and single socks. Knitted from bamboo, they are the softest socks you'll have in your drawer. They're antifungal, antimicrobial, and they're breathable. So when you need your socks to stay together, grab a pair of Soulmate Socks where every sock has a soulmate. Shop online today at soulmatesox.com. That's S-O-L-E-M-A-T-E-S-O-X.com. Welcome back, everybody. We're talking with Sherry Foose. She is a marriage and family therapist. And we're talking about and wanting to to start talking about how the pandemic has exacerbated loneliness. Because I feel like... Those of us who are extroverts and like being around people when we went into shutdown and lockdown at what, two years ago now, it just really crashed us. But I think those who are introverts were loving it <laughs> and they were very happy to not have to be connected with people. So how do you think the pandemic has affected us as a human race?
0: I think that uh, as sad as it is, the pandemic, is probably the only thing on the planet that we all have in common, that we have all suffered for, and that's a big word, but it, to some extent. So either you've been, I don't, I don't know if anyone's been simply inconvenienced, we've all had to adapt, uh, we've all suffered loss, and people have had terrible grief or, or uh, residual uh, medical problems. But it is one thing, let's not get into any details about any issues, but that we can sure. all just nod our head and say, yeah, that has hurt me. And there aren't a lot of things that we are comfortable saying have hurt us without feeling uncomfortably vulnerable. Right. So for for that, I thank the pandemic. Yeah. Uh, other than that, it's been all bad, <laughs> <I> mean, <laughs> right? You know, I I think just as we do, as we do, as our species, we are just such fast adapters. It's really moving to see. Yeah, life goes on, you know, at yeah. at, a, at a great cost, but still, we we figure some things out. And one of the things, hopefully, that we've seen is that we cannot exist with this much distance in, in, um, in our relationships. And I'm not just talking about relationships with people you're close with or people you work with, but people on the street. I mean, if you've ever been the recipient or the leader of uh, turning to someone in the back of a coffee line and paying for, for the person, that tiny little thing, that paying it forward thing, will make your day. Yeah. You do it for someone else. And typically if somebody does it for you, then you want to do it for someone else. Right. So, you know, you don't need a license to use your humanity. That's mm-hmm. one of our sayings. You don't, um, you know, y- you, you might be surprised at how, if you're having a bummer day and just do something like that for someone, or, you know, just turn around and say hi or whatever, small ways of whether it's, Actually, volunteering to help someone or taking the goodness from your own heart and offering it to someone in an unexpected way. That's what makes our lives nicer. So, you're allowed to do that. And the lonelier you feel, the more you should do that. Loneliness Mm -hmm. is a selfish state. And I don't mean selfish with a a negative. Uh, a negative imposition upon it, but it it is, when we're lonely, we're just, we're thinking about ourselves. Yeah. Once you get out of that to think about whoever might be in front of you, then you are suffering your loneliness less and maybe even alleviating it by a momentary or more meaningful connection.
1: Yeah. I love that. I love that. I would love to talk about fear of being alone when it comes to being in a relationship, out of relationship, and thinking about starting a new one, um, particularly dating in your forties, because <laughs> there is a lot of loneliness, and I think people who are who have moved on from from past relationships do have a fear of being alone and feeling like they will never find the the love that they want, the companionship that they want, and, and, and the level of uh, respect they want in a relationship. So can you talk about that?
0: I would say they're right. <laughs> you will never find, look, you're a genius at what you want. If there's nothing else you're a genius at, you're pretty damn good at that. You may not always admit it to yourself, but I would say to anybody, make a list and be clear, like is height your number one thing? And if not, put it back at the bottom of the list mm. is, um, you know, uh, romance is, you know, shared um, the, the shared passions for, for um, things that we do in life is whatever those things are, get clear about those things, but don't impose over that your fantasy it's okay to have your fantasy we all do but we don't want to confuse our belief that in order to be good enough for us or to make us happy this person has to nail all of these arenas yeah because they can't because we can't if we could we'd be fine alone but nobody has everything
1: yeah Yeah. Oh my gosh. I think that crashed a lot of people's dreams.
0: (laughs) You know what? I hope it opened their umbrella because it's also, I'm here to tell you that you don't need all that. Yeah. Fantastic. Because once you start waiting for your partner to come through with delivering the least they can do, according to your own fantasy, (laughs) that is like nowhere in their wheelhouse anyway. But as soon as you start letting go of that, then you can realize, okay, here is something that I have a need for sharing music with people. I like to sing. He doesn't like to sing. So, all right, I'm going to look into other opportunities for me to do that. And that will open another part of my life. Whatever those things are, it's not that you have to abandon your dreams, but you can't ask one person to fulfill all of them. Yeah, 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 yeah.
1: Something you practice called relational mindfulness. How does that apply to um, what we're talking about today and just fear and fear of loneliness and being alone?
0: Yeah, relational mindfulness is, it's like um, when we talk about mindfulness or meditation or yoga, all of these kinds of beautiful practices that are for me. This is for us. This it harkens back a little bit to you know the conversation we had earlier about what does it mean to be a tribal community, to be Mm -hmm. to have your relationship um and your relationship with others in general come before yourself. Now, this is not something that's any kind of like perfection model. It's a mentality, it's a mentality of generosity to not just realize that that person is trying to do their best or that person can't fulfill all of my fantasies, but just to also realize that as much as like, how could you not realize that you do that? And then I'm going to feel like this because a, you didn't tell me everything you're thinking. And I'm so sorry. I can't read your mind, but also by the way, I have my own complicated, messed up mind with all of my thoughts and all of my needs being, you know, trying to be fulfilled, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Right. It's just a way to equalize the reality that we all have longings and unfinished business and drive. All of these things are really good, but we can't anymore automatically answer all of the things that need to be dealt with in our lives, then we can fulfill all those things within a relationship. Maybe we can over time, but guaranteed there will be some areas where the two of you are not perfectly matched. Yeah. okay.
1: You can still, there's still some compatibility, I guess, even, even if not everything. If there, if there yeah. is,
0: if there yeah. is, you know, I mean, look, we know how how hard it is to find someone who meets enough of those qualifications that we we feel good or we can tell ourselves you know this person I can accept this person so the more you can clarify for yourself what is the difference between the things I want in my life and the things I want or expect another person to provide for me then you start to get some clarity, and then you also aren't barking up the wrong tree. Right. If that person doesn't have that skill or possession or whatever; they can give it to you.
1: Right. Right. How prominent is the idea, not idea? How prominent is fear in in your practice and in the and and in the the clients that you that you interact with?
0: Fear is prominent for everybody. Mm-hmm. I mean, we are basically. Anim, hunted animals in every moment. Mm-hmm. And we're always afraid of the lion who may be right behind us. And we, we can react to a comment that hits us the wrong way biologically in the same way we can if we see a lion because our primitive uh, response in the back of our brain doesn't really know the difference. Mm-hmm. They say, danger, run fight or flight and so it's really important that we are that easily triggered to be afraid but when it comes to being sophisticated people in a complex society it's one thing to be triggered to be alert to something that gives you a sense that maybe something's not okay but we have to train ourselves to take a step back um, before rushing to judgment or rushing to action and it's not easy because what we what we would do in traffic would be you train yourself you don't think you know right you know if your parent ever pulled you or even hurt you pulling you away from falling down or getting hit by something in the short run you might have been angry with them they were mean well when you look back at the story you you see it very differently right a way of trying to anticipate the fact that sometimes our knee jerk reactions will uh, badly estimate w- what is in front of us. Yeah. And, you know, but the, we can't get rid of fear. We just want to temper it. It's almost like it, you know, if you think of our emotions, like children that they don't know much about themselves, they just occur, you know, right? It's like you're hungry. Uh, and where that hunger comes from, or whether that's hungry for food or drink or vegetables or meat or whatever that might be. That's where we have to come in. So we kind of have to be the CEO of all these little baby parts inside of ourselves.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Wow. So as we come to an end, I'd love to know some tips and strategies you would offer for someone who is in the experience right now of feeling lonely or fear um, having to do with what they're experiencing right now?
0: Well, first thing I would say is just big figurative hug around you. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I know how you feel. I feel it too. I'm sure the people and circumstances involved are, are very different, but just know that Loneliness tells us something real, holds up a mirror, and it also exaggerates and tells us something disastrous that's not real, which is that therefore this is how it'll be for the rest of my life. Well, first of all, it doesn't know that. And secondly, it's just, it's not possible any more than when you're in a state of bliss, kissing and hugging someone you love so much. You know, in a few minutes, they're going to be out at the door. So Things shift, and if we can learn to sort of surf with the ups and downs rather than buy into those intense moments, which are telling you that this is never going to shift, put your dominant hand on your heart. That's your CEO, mm. and you can feel the beat of your heart. And as you sync up with the beat of your heart, just tell yourself, I'm here can't tell exactly how we're going to work through this fear this feeling of loneliness but I've done it every other time and I'm going to do it now so right. you rest and I'll be the grown up
1: yeah and ultimately you're going to be okay <laughs> the whole I don't thing. know how but- <laughs> I don't know <laughs> how right right I know even if you don't know in that moment there are some moments where fear is um so prevalent and so concentrated that it it cripples people, which is, I mean, one, one of the reasons, one of the objectives of this particular podcast is to help people learn how to get over their fear, fill in the blank of whatever it is. But at the same time, it is also scary to go into a space where you don't know how things are going to turn out. It's
0: horrible. I mean, yeah. Why small talk is so painful. I think people are good at big talk, but when it comes to small talk, You don't know the game when you're meeting a new person or you're in a new environment. You don't know like the buzzwords, what you're not allowed to talk about, what you are allowed to talk about, you know, your mannerisms, all those kinds of things. So every time we're in a new situation, whether it's in the jungle with a lion or in a new social situation or a date, we're feeling our way. But if you can stay connected, and there's never anything wrong with putting your hand on your heart. People don't judge you for doing that. It really just tells you I'm trying to be sincere. Yeah. But you stay connected to yourself right then and there when you're talking to the person, and you know parts of you are thinking like, I don't know if he likes me. Do you think he knows he's got that thing on his (laughs) cheek? Whatever those things are, to just remember that. we all just got here to the world. Yeah. And uh, you know, the rule book is, uh, hasn't gotten to my house yet. So, um, we're just doing the best we can just assure yourself you've survived this far and that hasn't been easy and you didn't know how you were going to do it, but you were never this experienced as you are today either.
1: Right. Right. Well, that's a great place to end. Thank you so much. This has been so good. So, so good. Yes. And I hope people after listening to this feel less lonely and feel that they are not not only not lonely, but not alone in the world and not alone in their experience that they're going through right now. Yeah.
0: Please join us on our Zoom ins. Um, We would love to have you and you will instantly realize that, you know, you are among people who are there to hear you and to share their story. And it's a wonderful feeling. It's the opposite. It melts loneliness.
1: Yeah, I love it. Well, we have been talking today to Sherry Foos. She's a licensed marriage and family therapist in L.A. and also splits her time between L.A. and New York. I'm going to have a couple of links uh, in the description of this particular episode to her website, The Narrative Method, and um, a- and some of her information as well. Sherry, you are so great. I'm so happy to make this connection with you. Thank you so much for taking the time. And be sure to listen to other episodes We have had some very good episodes so far this year. Fear of losing yourself in a relationship, which is a three-parter, and Mm. also fear of failure, which is also fresh and new and ties into I think what we've been talking about today. So be sure to catch other episodes as well. Thank you so much for joining us today on another episode of Fuck Fear. I hope today you say fuck fear to whatever it is that you're facing. Have a great day, everybody. Coming up on a new episode of Fuck Fear. Let's talk about how other people project their fears onto you. That's in the next episode. Be sure to subscribe if you haven't already. If you feel led, I'd love for you to write a review. Check out other episodes. And as always, thank you for listening.